Tonight, I'm going to talk about gratitude. And the first thing I'll say is, think about, think about uh, the recommendations that you hear for, for really having sustained life happiness. You know, one thing you could do is start a, a, a daily meditation practice or yoga practice or pranayama practice, certainly that's documented to overall increase life happiness. You could certainly engage in transformational healing, which is very difficult, but of course, when you clear longstanding energies, then, then you're much happier afterwards. A lot of those recommendations are a lot of work. And, you know, understandably, people are put off from doing the, all that work. Um, but ironically, one of the easiest things you can do to increase overall life happiness is to cultivate a gratitude practice. And people do this sometimes with a journal or, you know, just writing down five things they're grateful for every day, kind of as a start. Um, it's just a way to shift your perspective. Um, gratitude in many ways is a shift in perspective. Um, and how can I say, like the the ratio of input effort to resulting happiness is particularly low for, for a gratitude practice. You know, it, it's one of the easiest things you can do to increase your overall happiness. So this talk I, I've given before, I call it the four levels of gratitude, kind of a way to think about how would you practice gratitude. Um, and of course, I'm talking about gratitude because we're, we're a couple of days away from a national holiday devoted to gratitude, Thanksgiving. So the first level of gratitude, I would say, is gratitude for the over-the-top, truly wonderful things in life, the rare, amazingly wonderful things that happen now and again. Um, I think it's relatively natural that we feel gratitude when some of these wonderful things happen. Um, it's, it's certainly the easiest of the, the four cases to, to feel gratitude. The only thing I would say as a recommendation around this is when something truly wonderful happens, savor that. You know, savor the gratitude, savor the sense of wonder. You know, don't let, don't let yourself reset to how happy you were before it happened so quickly. You know, really take the time to savor how wonderful this, this new thing is in your life. That's level one, which is, which is relatively easy. Level two is probably where many people have a lot of work to do. Level two is just the ordinary, everyday good things in life. And one way I'll frame this is think about how upset you might be or how upset people might be, say, when the electricity goes out or when the water is unexpectedly shut off or the Wi-Fi is down or the heat doesn't work, you know? These are scenarios where, you know, maybe you can grin and bear it relatively well, you know, but, but certainly there are some people that get really bent out of shape when something like this happens. Now consider how many people on, on say, an ordinary day when, when the, the electricity, the water, the heat, the Wi-Fi is all working, 
how many people are appreciative of that fact? You know? Almost nobody, probably. And there's there's a few ways to frame this. I mean, one way is that, you know, people might say, well, we expect those things to be on. We expect, you know, essentially we expect things to be the way we want them to be. And then we get upset when they're not the way we want them to be. You know, and, and it turns out there's a word for that. There's a word when you expect things to be the way you want it to be and you you get upset when it's not the way you want it to be. That word is spoiled, you know. Um, I, it's something I've said before, and I, I really think it's true. The more the more I, I reflect on it, the cohort of adults who are alive now in America, and I include myself in this as much as anyone, I think we're the most spoiled group of adults that have ever walked the face of the earth. And this is one of the ways that it plays out. Just, you know, being completely accustomed to what I expect, not appreciating it at all, and then getting upset when I don't get what I want. Another way to say it is that we're taking all that stuff for granted when it works. From the point of view of Buddhism, taking something for granted is a guaranteed way to minimize the amount of joy you take from it and maximize the amount of suffering you get from it. You know, say with the electricity, you know, the day that it's on, I completely ignore it. I get no joy from it. And then when the electricity goes off, then I blow a gasket, then I'm upset, you know. So I'm getting, I'm maximizing my suffering and minimizing my joy when I take something for granted. And of course, people might argue, well, taking things for granted is efficient, And, you know, I think to some extent what that means is, you know, I don't want to think about the good things because I I want my mind to be free so I can make myself miserable in some other way, you know, that kind of thing. Um, It's really, gratitude and appreciation are much more about a shift in perspective. It doesn't really take time. It doesn't take more time. It's just about looking at things in a different way. Um... One way to frame just these ordinary everyday things around our in our life is imagine we could take people from the Middle Ages and for a moment transport them in time and show them our current modern living place, you know, and just show that we can press a, a switch and a light comes on or we can turn a knob and hot or cold water comes out like the, the the medieval people would their minds would be blown we would be magicians to them like these would be absolute miracles to them you know and there is something miraculous about that you know can can we live can we hold the miracle can we see the miracle in that um it's a quote on the quote sheet albert einstein said there are two ways to live your life as if nothing is a miracle or as if everything is a miracle, you know? And it's not that one takes more effort than the other. It's not that one is scientifically right or wrong. It's just two different equally valid perspectives, but one makes you much happier. So certainly there's appreciating, you know, the electricity, the the water, you know, appreciating that we have sidewalks and traffic lights and you know, all the ordinary things in everyday life that that make our life easier. So those are kind of the the 
inanimate objects that are very pleasant around us. Then there's our bodies. And it's something I've said a few times at, at different points, but imagine that you start having trouble with your eyes. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh my God, you have this horrible, you know, disease, infection, condition, whatever. You're going to go blind in a month, totally blind. You know, that would be a horrible tragedy, you know. And just think, if you knew you only had a month left to see, think how precious every sight would be. Like every flower, every sunset would be miraculous that you were able to see it and take it in, you know. And then suppose you had been living for a few weeks with this thought, you know, I'm going to lose my sight. And then the doctor says, you know, wait a second, we have this new drug, procedure, whatever. And they wind up saving your sight. Like, imagine how overjoyed you would be to have your sight, you know. And of course, the, the, you know, the good news is there's nothing wrong with your eyes. Your eyes are perfectly fine. But why don't we appreciate the absolute miracle of sight. You know, it would be devastating if we lost it. Why don't we appreciate it when we have it? Similarly with the miracle of healing, hearing, or being able to walk, or use our hands, or eat and digest food, or, you know, go to the bathroom without tubes and machines being involved, you know. Like, all these just healthy things that we can do, and you know, these are all miraculous, you know. And of course, if we lost any of them, you know, and the, the sad thing is sometimes people get sick and something like that is lost forever, you know. Can we appreciate it while we have it? I often think of my mother, senior citizen living with other senior citizens, and she and her friends always like to say, in this life, you're healthy until you're not. You know, and that's been their experience. Like, you're you're healthy up to a certain point in life, and then something happens, then you're not healthy anymore, you know? Can we appreciate health while we have it? So that's all about our body. And then there are other people. You know, especially the people close to us. Um, I mean, it's so obvious it almost doesn't need to be said, but... Nobody likes to be taken for granted, you know. And I think the sad thing is when we're, when we're in a long-term friendship, a long-term relationship, almost inevitably two people start to take each other a little bit for granted, you know. And, and that's often when the magic starts to leave the relationship, when people start to even unconsciously start to take the other person for granted. Um, it takes tremendous discipline of attention to stay fully present with another person, you know? And in fact, one of the greatest gifts we can give to another person is just this high quality of attention. One thing I'll say about appreciating others, um, almost paradoxically, one thing that is very helpful is keeping in mind the thought of death keeping in mind mortality, you know, and this is, this is something that we live in a society that pushes all that away, doesn't want to think about it, that's, that's spooky, that's macabre, you know, don't tell me about that. Um, 
But it turns out, you know, of course, all the religion, spiritual traditions talk about cultivating an awareness of death. Um, and in my experience, really, when we look with the eyes of mortality, it allows us to see the preciousness, the absolute irreplaceable preciousness of each moment of human connection. You know, that there's something so extraordinary and such, such a precious gift about each moment that we're connecting with somebody, you know. And it's, how can I say, you know, none of us are guaranteed that we'll be alive by the end of this month, you know. Like, in other words, if you look at the actuarial tables, chances are good that we're all going to live a lot longer. You know, chances are good that we're not going to die before the end of the month. But how can I say, like, the probability of dying before the end of the month is much, much more likely than, say, the probability of winning a lottery, but people buy lottery tickets and imagine they're going to win. They don't like to think about the fact that it's more likely they could die before the end of the month, you know. Um, and it's an interesting question with, with anyone you care about, you know, any friend, any lover, like if one conversation ends because you're bickering over something small, how would it feel if that was your last conversation? You know, there's a there's a wonderful line from the Buddha in the one of the writings of the the early writings of Buddhism, the Dhammapada, where the Buddha says, "People's lives will soon end. For those who remember, quarrels come to an end." You know, like what's the point of getting into an argument about about you know? And all this, all the kind of trivial things we argue about, if there's even the smallest chance that it might be the last time I'm talking to that person that I care about so much, you know, what would it mean really to honor that person in that way? So level two is about appreciating the miracles of everyday life, the, 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 in it, you know, the inanimate objects that are miracles, the miracle of residing in our body, the miracle of all the connections we have. Um, and again, there's a lot of work right there. Level three, I would say, for someone who has practiced level two for a while and has cultivated a healthy sense of gratitude, then, then they can start thinking about level three. Level three is gratitude for all the not so pleasant things in life, all the things that are annoying, all the things that are triggering, all the things that, you know. Now, why would we, we be grateful for that? Well, last week I talked about the, the Eightfold Noble Path, which is, you know, this, this core idea of Buddhism. And one of, the, one of the stages of the Eightfold Path, stage number six, is right effort. And the way I frame right effort is how hungry are we to do the spiritual work? How hungry are we to do the work of growth? Um, and when we have, when we really have a healthy sense of right effort, it's more like, you know, okay, this person's annoying me. 
great. This is a chance for me to work on myself. This is a chance for me to be more, more disattached. You know, it, 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 it implies a certain amount of gust, you know, taking on one's work with a sense of gusto, you know, um, in that, you know, it, it's not so much gratitude for the thing that annoys us, but gratitude for the work we can do, for the disattachments we can have in response to the thing that annoys us. And I'll say also, in particular with people, um, it's such a profound gift when we're doing our own work of gratitude and our own work of, of looking at our own attachments and, and working out our own stuff. Um, I think there are some people who are so wounded, they walk through the world and it, it's all defenses first. You know, they, they, they're brusque or, or even slightly aggressive on the outside. And maybe, maybe when they were young, you know, that was the only way, that's the only way they could feel safe acting that way. And so that's how they continue to move through the world, you know, and of course these people encounter lots of reactions and rejections. And so it, it, it confirms their their there's internal story about an unsafe world. Well, the person who can do some work on themselves and then just receive that per, that person in a more neutral place, you know, and even extend kindness in a neutral way, sometimes that opens up a whole new possibility for that wounded person just to receive kindness in a way that they've never received it before, you know. So the more we do work on ourselves, the more it really is a gift for others. And so that brings us to stage four, which is the hardest. Stage four, gratitude for the out of the ordinary, over the top, horrible things, the life tragedies that happen. Um, and the way I'll frame this is one of my favorite statistics is that if you look a year later, people who win the lottery are less happy than they started, but people who have a limb amputated are more happy than when they started. And again, this is on average, obviously individual cases are different, but it's one of these things that is, it's, it's, it's shocking and it, you know, at least superficially doesn't seem like it should be true you know, what would you rather have? Would you rather win a lottery or would you rather have a limb amputated? You know, like, but, um, you know, it's funny because I think when you think about it, how can I say, I think we all, you know, we all, we, we say money doesn't buy happiness and we kind of believe that, but I think there's also this way that almost unconsciously we think, yeah, money doesn't buy happiness, but you know, if I had a little more money, I'd be a little more happy, you know, like that kind of thing. Like we're, we're, we're bought into it at some level. And I think winning the lottery fuels all these fantasies of like, wow, I have all this money. Now I'm really going to be happy. And of course it doesn't work that way. And, you know, a year later, like the person has the money, but the money hasn't bought them happiness. It's like, well, money doesn't buy me happiness. Now what I, what do I do? You know, it, it can be a very disillusioning experience. Um, meanwhile, a person who, if someone has a limb amputated, well, suddenly they can't do a lot of the things they used to do. So they're, they have a lot more free time, a lot more time with themselves to reflect. They're also put in a position where they have to ask for help 
which which can be a challenging or confronting thing, but actually is a tremendous gift when you're put in a position where you have to ask for help. You know, it really affirms our 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 deep the deep state of interconnection that is our fundamental being. Um, and so it's easy to understand in a way that the whole process would actually paradoxically be happier for the person who under, who had a limb amputated, you know? So I'd, I'd say about level four, the other three levels you can, we can more or less practice in the moment or in a, you know, relatively short time period. Level four is much more about, um, like say if, if, you know, God forbid someone you love died, you certainly a week later or even a year later, you wouldn't be in a position where you could even begin to think about gratitude for that loss. It would almost have to be like 10 or 20 years later that you were able to even begin to think about gratitude. But there's a way that it's paradoxical and it's hard to explain. But when I look back over my life and I look back at the the life tragedies that I experienced, you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, these have shaped me for who I am. You know, the, the, the deaths that I experienced in my teenage years, I probably would not have started a meditation practice if I hadn't been through that. Now I've been meditating for years, you know. Like, in other words, all the ways that um, the resilience that we develop, the, the skills that we develop in response to having gone through these tragedies. Um, in particular, I would say... I think early childhood wounding, which is really, those are the wounds that, that hurt us most deeply. Early childhood wounding, almost, almost by the nature of karma, is rich with soul lessons for each one of us. However, however each one of us has been wounded in early childhood, those are the soul lessons we need to work on in this life. And even to get a fraction of that soul wisdom is such a profound blessing, you know as we do this work. Um, So very paradoxical level four of gratitude. I'll close with a, a quote from Walt Whitman. This is from a poem of his called Miracles. To me, every hour of light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. Every square yard of the surface of the earth is spread with the same, and every foot of the interior swarms with the same. So every place in the outside world, every place in the inside world, all miracles. Um, At this point, I'll share the quote sheet. I just dropped the quote sheet in chat. So at the top of the quote sheet, I have the the quote from Walt Whitman, from Meister Eckhart. If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. From the poet John Milton, gratitude bestows reverence, 
allowing us to encounter everyday epiphanies, those transcendent moments of awe that can change forever how we experience life in the world. William Blake says quite simply, the thankful receiver bears a plentiful harvest. He really points to <coughs> what is what is magnetic about gratitude. You know, the more the more grateful we are, the more our eyes are open to what is miraculous in life, the more miracles we see. You know, if I'm walking around in my my self-absorbed self-pity thing, I'm missing all the miracles, you know. Robert Louis Stevenson said, keep your eyes open to the mercies. The man who forgets to be thankful has fallen asleep in life. A couple from G.K. Chesterton, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. He also said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. The Einstein quote I, I quoted already. Theologian Karl Barth said, joy is the simplest form of gratitude. The Zen teacher Shunryo Suzuki said, if you can appreciate each thing one by one, then you will have pure gratitude. Even though you observe just one flower, that one flower includes everything. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died in the Holocaust, said, Gratitude changes the pangs of memory into tranquil joy. Johann Gardner says, To speak gratitude is courteous and pleasant. To enact gratitude is generous and noble. But to live gratitude is to touch heaven. J.F. Kedd said, We must find the time to stop and thank the people who make a difference in our lives. And just think about that right now. Who are the people who make the difference, who make a difference in your life? And do they know how much you appreciate them, you know? Joseph Worthland said, Sometimes we should express our gratitude for the small and simple things, like the scent of the rain, the taste of your favorite food, or the sound of a loved one's voice. Eileen Caddy says, Gratitude helps you expand. Gratitude brings joy and laughter into your life and into the lives of those around you. William Arthur Ward said, Gratitude can transform common days into thanksgiving, turn routine jobs into joy, and change ordinary opportunities into blessings. Zig Ziegler says, Gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more likely you will have even more to express gratitude for, echoing Blake's idea. Neil Maxwell said, we certainly should count our blessings, but we should also make our blessings count. From David Stendhal Ross, who is here, he's really Mr. Mr. Gratefulness himself. It is not that happiness makes us grateful. It is gratefulness that makes us happy. Each moment is a gift. There's no certainty that you have another moment with all the opportunities that it contains. The Dalai Lama said, we have a couple from him, he said, when you practice gratitude, there is a sense of respect toward others. 
You know, think about how appreciated you feel when someone is thankful for you or someone is grateful for you. Dalai Lama also said, every day, think as you wake up, I am fortunate to be alive. I have a precious human life. I am not going to waste it. A couple from Sarah Van Brechneth. Whatever we are waiting for, peace of mind, contentment, grace, inner awareness, a simple abundance, it will surely come to us, but only when we are ready to receive it with an open and grateful heart. You know? And it, it's just fascinating to consider, like, what are the things that I want that I'm not receiving yet because I haven't cultivated enough openness and gratitude toward receiving them, you know? She also said, gratitude is the most passionate, transformative force of the cosmos. When we offer thanks to God or another human being, gratitude gifts us with renewal, reflection, reconnection. Melanie Beatty said, gratitude can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. It makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Oprah Winfrey says, be thankful for what you'll have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. Alice Walker said, thank you is the best prayer that anyone could say. I say that one a lot. Thank you expresses extreme gratitude, humility, and understanding. Eckhart Tolle said, it is through gratitude for the present moment that the spiritual dimension of life opens up. Robert Brault says, enjoy the little things for one day you may look back and realize they were the big things. Something very wise and underappreciated there. Brene Brown says, I don't have to chase extraordinary moments to find happiness. It's right in front of me if I'm paying attention and practicing gratitude. Rashid Ogoloru says, in life, one has a choice to take one of two paths, to wait for some special day or to celebrate each special day. And Kristen Armstrong says, when we focus on our gratitude, the tide of disappointment goes out and the tide of love comes rushing in. 